Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online with us as well. Uh, we are, I'm excited about this new series that we're going to dive into here in a second. But before we do, uh, last night uh, at my house, we had uh, all of our small group leaders, we had over to our house, and uh, I burnt the hamburgers a little bit, but they were all gracious. Uh, but we had a, a good time as we were planning for this next term of our city groups. And if you're new to City Walk and you've maybe not gotten connected, we have, have really for the first time, we have this many, we have 10 city groups uh, that we're going to be starting back uh, a week from today is when our new term will start. And I want to encourage you, if you are, man, new to our gathering or maybe you have been around but haven't gotten connected, maybe go to the, the app and if you click on announcements, you can, you can find the city group area. And, and there's a bunch of new ones. So if you didn't like any of the other ones, then you could, hey, we got some new ones for you. Uh, but, but just a really, really good way to get connected. We got a new one starting on Wednesday nights. For those of you that are going to bring your kids or teenagers to our midweek service, that's a great one to jump into. We got one starting in Plumas Lake. Uh, so that's going to be over in that area. So people won't have to drive as far to get to a group. And so a lot going on in city groups. Want to encourage you to check it out and uh, get connected. So so this week is the greatest week of the year for several people in this room. You're like, is there a spiritual reason for that, Chris? Like Easter? No, it's the start of the NFL football season. So I know, I know you're like, that is so not spiritual, Chris. How is this the greatest week? But for some unspiritual people in the room, like your pastor, this is a really, really good week when the NFL starts. For my wife, she's over right now in the preschool with the preschoolers. She's one of those people, and maybe you can relate with this, some of you, she could care less if there's ever another football game in the history of the world. That's kind of where she is at with the whole thing. And here's the bad part. Before we moved here, we lived in Florida. And so in Florida, you have Sunday football, which is the NFL, but college football is a religion in the South. And so my poor wife would have Saturday college football that she would have to put up with, and then on Sunday she'd put up with, and now she's like, now they have a Thursday night game and a Monday, like, are there any non-football days in the week? I'm like, just a few, and I'm real happy about that, babe, but, but for her, she just hated it. Be, she's very gracious about it, but it just wasn't something that she was really into, and, and recently she was reminded of how intense college football is, and if you grew up in the South or you've been there, there's a documentary, a new documentary. In fact, I talked to some of you about this last night, a new documentary on Netflix about the Florida Gators, and so some of you have watched it. Uh, so it, my, my favorite team in college football is the Florida Gators, and the greatest time ever in the history of the Florida Gators was the 2000s. And so there's a documentary that kind of follows them for four years. And so, I mean, I was like, first day it was out, I was watching it. And as I watched it, it reminded me of the incredible intensity that is college football in the South. When I, I watched how these guys prepared, I watched like the great links, I mean, to the probably farther than you should go as it relates to preparation and and the way it was so intense and the way that, man, it, they came to blows in practice because of how intense it was. And it was all for a game. It, it was all for a game. And, and, and for them, they took so seriously preparation. 
They took so seriously the game. They didn't put up with, with if, if anybody started to be a little lackadaisical or, or someone didn't care too much that they lost, like, they didn't put up with that. It was extremely intense, to probably farther than it ever should have went. But, but it just reminded me of, of how intense it is. And then I reminded myself, this was about football. And people are this intense about football. People care so much about a game that honestly, as much as I like it, at the end of the day has no eternal really influence and really won't matter much even in a few years. It'll be a documentary one day that people will watch about a team or a, a game, but, it, but it's not going to matter for eternity. But yet these people were so intense about it even though it didn't matter as much as so many other things. And whether you're a sports fan or not, you've seen this type of thing happen in our society. Man, people take so seriously, they, they man, put so much weight into something, and a lot of the things that we put a lot of weight into and that we take so seriously, at the end of the day, you look at it and say, you know what, in a year or two, this probably isn't going to matter that much. But yet there is some things in our life that do matter. And there are some things in our life that, you know what, much more than a football game or, or maybe another something else that you were thinking of, man, that is going to matter for eternity. And unfortunately, as it relates to faith, when we forget what's at stake, when we take our enemy and, and don't take them as seriously as we should, we kind of take them lightly, and when we're at a spot in our life when we're not bothered by defeat, we're not bothered by the consequences of sin, when we take it so lightly, it, it can be devastating. But yet that's a lot of, that's a lot of how we live. It, it's a lot of how we live. I mean, we, we watch a football game or a football team where, man, they won't put up with losing. They won't put up with lack of preparation. They won't put up with a lack of discipline. They're going to continue to push and get better. But then we, we look at a lot of people in their walk with God, and it's just the opposite. They're used to slavery. They're used to losing to the enemy. They're used to, man, things that Jesus died to free us from. It, we just get used to those almost to the point where we give up. And it's just like, this is just how it's going to be. I'm just going to always manage this addiction. I'm going to just get used to being enslaved. I'm, instead of having peace, worry is going to be the norm. It's just the way it's always going to be. And we might not say it this way, but a lot of us, if we're honest in some areas of our life and at different times in our life, we almost just stop trying. We stop trying to see something change in our life and we almost just give up on it. And over the next few weeks, we're going to take some time and we're going to talk about some of the Man, destructive behaviors that we in our society and then even in our own lives sometimes just try to manage. We try to just, hey, this is just always going to be this way. I'm never going to get over this porn addiction. I'm never going to not try to please people in my life. I'm never going to be addicted to the approval of man. I'm never going to be addicted to, to greed or pornography. It's always going to be part of my life. And we're going to talk over these next few weeks about how it doesn't have to be that way. How we can go to war with some of these destructive behaviors that are taking us down and some of those that we love so dearly. And Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his closest followers, somebody that even if you didn't grow up in the church, you probably have heard of. He wrote in a letter that he was writing kind of towards the end of his life. He wrote, and he really begins to help us process who we're up against. I mentioned to you earlier that when I was watching this documentary, how intense they were about preparation, how intense they were about winning, how never did they take someone lightly, and when they did, it always went bad. 
But I think sometimes we in the faith community or people that follow Jesus or maybe even are investigating faith, sometimes we don't understand our enemy. And, and, and Peter says this as he was just kind of describing our enemy in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Maybe you've heard this passage. He said this. He said, be sober-minded. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He he says, you you have an adversary, and you you need to be sober-minded. You need to be alert, because your adversary, the the, the devil, the enemy, he's, he's on the prowl, and he's looking not to be nice to you. He's looking not to make your life comfortable. He's looking to devour you. He wants to take you down. He wants to take your family down. He wants to ruin your life. If he had his way, you'd be gone. That's what he wants to do. And you you can hear this and you can think, well, dang it, man, we're in trouble then. If this is the way it's going to be, I mean, if we have an adversary that strong that can devour us, what are we going to do? Well, the very next verse, Peter says this. He says, resist him. That, that, that word resist basically means, hey, stand against. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Basically what Peter's saying is he is, is talking to these people and he's reminding them of the enemy. He's reminding them of the enemy's goal. He says this, and he's a guy that walked with Jesus. He saw all the miracles take place that we just read about. He says, the enemy, yeah, he's, he's got a goal. He wants to devour you. He wants to take you down. But you can stand against him. You, you can resist him. And he encourages us to do this. But he doesn't encourage us to do this because we're so strong or because we have this great ability. He says, I want you to resist him or stand against him and I want you to do that through the faith that you have that the faith that you have in Jesus is what's going to give you the power to resist the enemy and here's why he believed that John said it this way he said the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world and so Peter, as he's talking about the enemy, he says, I want you to resist him. Don't take him lightly, but don't be afraid of him. I want you to stand against him. I want you to resist him. I don't want you to get used to being enslaved. And you're going to do that not because you're a great person, not because you have this great ability, not because you're more disciplined than the next person, but you're going to do that because greater is he that is in you than the enemy that is in the world. And it's not even close. And, and that's what he reminds us of. And, and as he does this, he, he reminds us that we don't have to be victims. That we can have victory instead of allowing sinful habits and behaviors to destroy us. And one of those unhealthy behaviors that we're going to talk a little bit about today that is something that every single person, and I I feel like I can say that accurately, every single person in this room, every single person watching this, every single person that's listening to this on a podcast, every single one of us has struggled with the destructive behavior of being addicted to the approval of man. We've all struggled at times in our life, and maybe even right now, with, with this man, something inside of us that just wants to make everyone happy, even when it's unhealthy, that we've, we so want to please people. And, and, and it's, it's something that maybe we've taken lightly. It's something that, for some of us, even controls our life. And Jesus talked a lot about this. He talked a lot about this idea of trying to look good in front of other people, trying to impress other people, and trying to make that kind of the goal of your life. He talked a lot about that in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And he, wrote, he talked about it because in this society that Jesus was in, 
the religious crowd, kind of the leaders of the religious, kind of the religious groups, this was their whole life. Their whole life was looking good on the outside, checking all the religious boxes, making sure that you thought they were spiritual. And so they went to great lengths to look the part, but yet on the inside were dead. And so Jesus, he addresses this because he's like, this is not what it's supposed to be. This is one of the reasons he came because he wanted to free these people from this legalistic, religious, check the boxes lifestyle. And so he says this as he begins to talk about it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. You'll see it up on the screen. It says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus, he, he starts kind of this, and if you read the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about a lot of different things. But as he starts to talk about this, he says, he uses this word, beware, be careful. This is something that could put you in danger. Be alert. Be aware of, of practicing your righteousness to be seen by men. Jesus, he's, he's not saying, you know, never do good in public. But what he's saying is, he's saying, do not do it with the motive to be seen by other people. Of course, you're going to do good in public. But don't do good in public with the motive of, oh, did so-and-so see me do that? Oh, man, let's make sure we do it over here. Make sure that we get that on social media so that everybody knows how good we are and the good deed we did. Jesus says, don't, this is not the way to do this. He says, in fact, when you do that, you're, you're basically saying no to future blessing that God's going to give you. He's not going to bless that type of lifestyle. That type of lifestyle that just is, is so focused on, hey, is everybody watching? And do I look the part and make sure they see what I'm doing? That people-pleasing lifestyle. And what Jesus does is he gives kind of three examples of how it's taken place there, of how he sees people doing this. He says this in verse 2. He says, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. He says, so when you give to the needy, and his assumption is that you're going to help needy people, he says, don't sound a trumpet. And you're like, man, are they, are they literally bringing a trumpet up into church? And like, hey, get ready. I'm about to give and help the needy. Just wanted to make sure I had everybody's attention. That's not what he's saying. Obviously, that would be pretty annoying, and that would be like pretty in your face. Like, wow, they're really trying to get our attention. They, weren't, they had a little more pride than that. But here's what he's saying. So the, the thing that they would put their money in, it was kind of shaped like a trumpet. It had a, a really wide opening at the top, and then it narrowed where the money would go down so that no one could put their hand in its steel. So it would narrow at the bottom, and so all the money would go down. And here's what he's saying. Some of you, you, you bring your money in and you throw it again. Like you, you, you don't just put it in there quietly. It's like, man, you're going to make some racket while you're putting your money in. So everybody knows you're putting a lot of money in. So you be clanging that stuff around and you want everybody in the room to know, man, I'm putting in a lot of cheese today. I'm putting a lot in here. Make sure everybody uh, you know, can see this. And, and Jesus is saying, that's what fake people do. He says, that's what the hypocrites, the people that wear a mask when they come to church, and then they, they live a different way when they're not at church, that's the way they do it. And he says, don't, don't, don't do it like the fake people. He says this, he says in verse 3, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So he starts with this. And this is like, this is something they probably experienced all the time. Like they knew who the big givers were because they would come in with all their coins and they would make a racket so everybody knew they were putting a lot of money in. Jesus is like, don't be like them. They're fake people. They're hypocrites. 
they wear a mask here at church, but then when they go out of here, they're a whole different person. That's not who you want to be. And then he gives another example. He says this in, in verse 5. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, the fake people. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. So you have these people that clang money around, make sure you hear about you know, all their money. But then you got a, another group of people that, man, and maybe it's some of the same people that, man, when they pray, they want you to know about it and be impressed too. And so they probably have like a special prayer voice. You, you ever been around somebody like that? They talk normal. And then when they start praying, it's like, our father, you know, it's like these big, you know, want to get everybody's attention, be super impressed with their big words. And, and that's what these people were doing. They would, they, they would not pray in secret. They would not pray to themselves, but, but they would, there were certain times in the day that you would stop and pray where you're at. And so they would make sure they were in a place. Well, I just happened to be in a place where everybody can see me when it's prayer time. Oh my. And they would say big words and they would try to impress you. They would want you to be impressed with their, their words. And so that's how they would pray. They wanted to be seen by people. It had nothing to do with talking to God. It had a lot to do with you being impressed with them. And Jesus is like, yeah, don't, don't be like that. He says this in verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's like, God's not really impressed with your prayer voice or your big words or, you know, all your, you know, everyone else is impressed. And I hope that's a great reward because that's all you're going to get. Because those prayers you're praying like, like God's not even hearing that. Like you're forfeiting what God would do with those prayers because you're basically getting your reward by a few people being pretty impressed with your big words and loud prayer voice. And so Jesus says, don't, don't be like that. Don't be someone who, even in how they pray, wants others to see them, wants other people to be impressed. And even their motive for praying is, has nothing to do with talking to God, but impressing others. Then he gives one more. He gives one more example. He says, and when you fast, and, and again, he's assuming that people fast, and you know, it's part of you know, spiritual things, some part of maybe some spiritual habits that these people had. And he says, so when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And so when these people were fasting, I, I love how, how it's worded here. They disfigure their faces. They wanted others to be impressed with how they were denying themselves. So when they came to the meeting, it's, oh, guys, you might have to help me get, walk in here. I'm a little weak today because I've been fasting for a little while. You know, me and God just having some time. I'm, I might need some help here. Looking all raggedy, you know, so that they're like, everybody knows that they're fasting and that, oh, just such a spiritual person. You know, wow, another level. We're JV, you're varsity. You know, that, that's kind of what they were. That's what people wanted. And so they would on purpose whether they were even really fasting, but they would on purpose do things to make sure that everybody around them knew that they were fasting, that, that man, they were denying themselves just such a spiritual person. And Jesus, he says, you know what? Well, I hope, again, I hope that people are impressed because that's your reward. Because you're, God's not that's not doing anything for God. God's not up there like, wow, wow, that person is so spiritual. Look at them. They can barely walk. God's not impressed. And, and, and Jesus says this, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Basically, look awesome. Like clean up, smell good. Man, don't, the people should look at you and not know any, they should think you're going to the prom. You look so good when you're fasting. They wouldn't even know that you're fasting. 
He says this, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, he just, he just again encourages the, the, the person, the people that are listening to him. Hey, don't do things so other people will be impressed. They lived in a religious system that was driven by this. It was driven by making sure people thought you were spiritual and doing everything you had to do, checking every box you had to check, wearing the clothes, looking the part. So maybe God wouldn't be happy with you, but everybody else would think you're spiritual, and that was their goal. They wanted to impress people. They wanted to please people. They wanted other people to think good of them, and so they went to great lengths. And in each of these scenarios, Jesus points out two options. I mean, he, he makes it clear there's, there's two ways to do this, and there's two rewards in every single one of these cases. Like, you can want to please God, you can want to please man, you can, you can do things whichever way you want to do, and with those ways, with those paths, there's rewards on both sides. And there are. There, there's rewards. Yeah, if you, you do it this way, you may, be, you may have some people impressed with you. But God's not hearing you. you. You do it this way, and you know what? Other people might not even know. It, it, it might just be you and God, and, and no one else will know. But there's reward that comes with that as well. And so there's, there's two ways of doing it. There's two rewards. And, and here's the thing. Those options haven't changed. Jesus is, is saying this about 2,000 years ago. He's, he's not went to the cross yet. He's going to be going to the cross soon. And, and he's saying this to his followers and other people. And, and the same rewards, the same two paths are the same paths that we have today, which leads to a simple but real personal question for me and for you. And here, here's the question. Who are you trying to please? Just think about it. So it's a question I have to ask myself. It's a question that you have to ask yourself, whether you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're somebody that's been following him for a long time, maybe you're investigating faith. Like as you think about your life, who are you trying to please? And you might be like, oh, that's a good question, Chris. That's a good question. Let me ask you a few other questions that might, might help clarify. Because maybe you're like, you know what? I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what my motive is, Chris. Well, well, let me throw a few other questions that might help clarify. Here's one. Do you find yourself anxious a lot hoping someone is happy with you? Is that normal? Do you, do you find yourself just, there's an anxiousness inside, and it's, it's usually towards a person, a certain person, that you just want to make sure that they're happy with you? Another question, do, do you try to manipulate social media to get more followers and likes? And, and you're obsessed with that? It's like, man, if I could take this picture just the right way, I just need some more. I mean, and, and it's almost like a dopamine when you get more followers and you get, and again, a lot of us use social media. It can be used for really good things. But if it's, if, if for you, it comes down to making sure that certain people like your photo and, and you get more likes than the last picture and, and more followers and, oh, I lost a follower. Oh no. Like, is that, do you feel that tension in you? What about this? Have you bought something recently that you didn't need just to impress someone else? Here's another question. Do you avoid hard conversations on a regular basis? Because here's what I found. Like when I, and I, I've struggled with this many times in my life. But usually when I avoid a hard conversation, it has nothing to do with that being the best thing or the most loving thing. It usually has to do with me keeping someone happy with me. And so I found myself in life avoiding hard conversations sometimes, not because it's the right thing to do or the most loving thing to do, simply because I wanted someone to be happy with me. I wanted to please someone. I wanted someone's approval. And having a hard conversation would put that on the line. And so I found myself, maybe you have too. 
you know, avoiding some hard conversations just simply because I needed someone else's approval that wasn't God's. So, so who are you trying to please? Whose approval do I need to be okay? Whose approval do you need, if you're watching online or you're here, whose approval do you need to sleep well at night, to be okay? And like, like I said earlier, there's, there's really just two options, same two options that Jesus talked about, same two options that were available to those people. The first one is God. God. God's like he, he's one of the, the options for approval. Do I want God's approval above all? And for God, he, he makes it real clear throughout Scripture. And then if you watch Jesus's life, for him, he, he just asks us to do a few things. He says, I want you to love me. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he says, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and for him, and here's what he even says, you know what, I'm actually going to give you the power to do that. And so the, 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 the path that God says, hey, this is what, what pleases God, and the path that he asks us to go down is, hey, love me and love other people, and I will actually, because you can't do it on your own, I'm actually going to give you the ability, the power to do that, because you can't do that on your own. But then you have another choice that's obvious. We, we can obviously say, you know what, God, you're the one I want to please. You're the one that, that I want to see. Uh, I wanna, you're the only one that I need approval from. But then there's man. And here's the thing about making your life all about pleasing man. And you know this and I know this because we've all done it. It's a moving target. And many times what pleases man today, tomorrow won't please man. And so if we're so focused on God, our man, you're the one that I have to please. You're the one that I want approval from. You're the one that I'm going to basically put my life together to keep you happy. And that is a tough way to live. And we all know that because some of us are exhausted because that's how we're living our life in this season. We're living our life to please man, which is a moving target that exhausts us. It's just a lot of work. And we all know that because we've all done it. We've all done it. And, and if you think, let's think about just a couple areas where we do this and how exhausting this is. So if you're a parent, we're tempted to make our kids happy because it's easier in this season. So, so uh, sometimes the most, and, and we know this as parents, but, but sometimes we're tempted to do what will keep our kids happy in this season than do the thing that's best for them or that's the most loving for them because it's harder and they're not going to be happy with it. And so if a parent is living their life and their whole life, and unfortunately there are parents like this, their whole life is about keeping that kid happy. It's a very unloving way to parent because yes, they might be happy in a season, but it's going to destroy them down the road. And we've all seen examples of that. It Maybe it may at work as you think about maybe different roles at work. And, and one of the ways that we can love people the best is by having hard conversations. But, but we, we, and you know this at work, if you're, you got somebody there that you, man, you want to see, you want to be impressed with you, you want to please them, you want to keep them happy. And when you just put up with stuff over and over and over instead of having a harder or maybe an uncomfortable conversation because you want to keep that person happy, you know this just like I do. That is a tough way to, to work. It's a tough way to live because nothing ever gets fixed. And it, we just kind of keep pushing stuff under the rug because we want to keep that person happy. And it's just a tough way to live. And it's just not what Jesus wants. And so can, just think about it. 
And this is like an all skate. Like, remember, remember back in the day when you would go to uh, the roller rink or whatever skating rink, and especially when you were in middle school, there was that awkward couple skate. And you're like, okay, hurry up with this, because I'm not going out there with some girl that I don't know. I'm not, I'd fall on my own, definitely not going out there holding some girl's hand and fall and make a fool of myself. So that was always like a, all right, especially for middle schoolers, like, make that song go fast. Let's get this. There was always that one or two couples like, come on, you know, they're way more mature than everybody else. They're out there like Google eyes at each other and they're like 12 years old. But, but everybody else is just like, can we just get this over with? And then, then the big relief would come when, when the DJ would say, okay, it's an all skate now. Everybody back on the floor. Well, this is an all skate. This is one that every single one of us has and probably will struggle with. And so could you imagine, think about it, could you imagine how your life might be different if you and I lived to please God? I mean, what would it look like to not struggle with this, to not go through my day and struggle with, man, I I know this is what God wants, but that might not make that person happy, so I'm really tempted to just do what's going to make them happy. Can you imagine if we didn't struggle with that? Can you imagine if we didn't struggle that in our parentings, in our marriage, with our friends, as a leader at work? Can you imagine if that was, we just never had that issue? And in order for us to take some intentional steps to to really go to war with this and and not just be like, you know what, this is always going to be this way. In order to go to war with this, there's a few things that we got to do. I mean, again... For, for some of us, this is just a way of life. We, we don't even maybe try to work through this because it's just, ah, I'm just always going to feel this way and I'm always going to sweep things under the rug. I'm just not going to deal with stuff because I don't want the drama. But if we're going to get to a spot where we say, no, I'm not going to live addicted to pleasing people anymore. I'm, I'm going to live my life for the approval of God and God only then there's some things that we need to do. And, and the first thing, it's, it's real biblical, is we're going to have to put off some things. If you look through Scripture, and, and when God talks to us about dealing with strongholds in our life, a lot of times the application is, first, there's some things you got to put off. you got to take off. And, and for some of us, we need to take off some relationships. We need to put them off. Because we have some relationships that are unhealthy. We have some relationships that when you're with this person, you're not even yourself. And you know that. Like, you know when you go hang out with so-and-so that, that you're, you're not even who you really are because you're so wanting to keep that person happy. And for you, putting off might be putting a little distance between that relationship and you. For some of us, we, we need to put off some habits. I mean, you, if, if the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is pick up your phone and look at Instagram or Facebook, you may want to put that off for a little while. You, you may have some habits that you just know, feed this, is everybody happy? Does everybody like me? And you say, you know what, I just got to maybe put that off. Like for me, one thing that I've done, because I, I struggle with this just like everybody else does, is on Thursday night, and I don't always do perfect at this, but I set a goal on Thursday night, from Thursday night to Saturday about lunch, to stay off of email and stay off of social media. So if you ever email me on Friday and you're like, what is going on? Chris, why aren't you getting back with me? Or you make a comment or something in in, in Instagram, and it's like, I haven't gotten back with you. It's because I'm following kind of this thing. Because for me, I know that Friday is my day off. And if, if I spend my day off on Facebook and Instagram and, and seeing if you like me and what you're saying and this and that, that's not healthy. And so for me, I have to set aside some things in my own life that help me not feed an addiction to want people to like me. And for you, there might be some habits. It might be some relationships that you need to put off, make, make some room. You, you may have some habits that you know are just those things that just feed you. 
Like another thing for me that I've had to do is I have to, hey, no Instagram, no Facebook, no email until I've had devotions in the morning. Because I would, I'd find myself, before I even open my Bible, I'm up there checking all this stuff and it just ruins my time with God. And so I don't know what it is for you. Those are just some personal things for me. But you may need to put off some relationships, some habits. You may have to put off some locations. You know there's certain places you go. And when you go these places, that, that it just feeds into your wanting other people to like you. And trying to impress other people. And so you say, you know what, I just need to not go there as much or ever. I need to put off. But then in the scriptures, not only does it talk, it always talks about putting off, but then it says, you got to put on some stuff too. You got to take some bad out. But if you don't replace that bad, it's not going to be long before that bad comes back. So you got to put off, but then you got to put on. And, And here's maybe some of the things that if you struggle with pleasing people and an addiction to man's approval, you might need to put on this and, and here's the first thing. Decide, you know what? Today, I am living to please God above all. You might have to just repeat that to yourself every single morning. God, today. Not next week. I can't, that's way too long from now. I'll mess up four times before then. But today, in the next 12 hours, God, today, you're the audience I want to please. I have an audience of one today. And, and you may need to just make this a daily, write it out, say it to yourself, put it on the mirror, put it on the dashboard, wherever, and just remind yourself every day, today, I'm living to please an audience of one. But the second thing, you might need to do this, and, and this is, comes down to dependence. Because you can decide that, but if you're trying to do this in your own power, and you know this just like I do, you might get an hour in and you'll be done. If you're like, well, today I'm going to do this because I am so disciplined, because I'm such a good person, because I'm better than that person, man, you're waiting for a train wreck. And so not only do we need to decide, but we need to depend. We need to remind ourselves and maybe verbally say it to God. You know what? Today, I realize... Like, I'm unable to do this. I need Jesus. I need Jesus today to literally live one day not trying to please everybody else. I know that sounds weak, but that's where we're all at. And so we have to decide, but then we have to depend. We have to remind ourselves, Jesus, today I need you. Because when I get to work, I'm going to go into mode where I'm trying to make everybody else happy. And if, if I don't have your help I'll never be able to live this out. And then the last thing that it's again, it's a put on, it's, it's this thought of delighting and it's where today I'm going to intentionally get to know God in his word so I can love him more. It's, it's really hard to please someone and trust someone that you don't know. And so if you found yourself always trying to please someone else and and wondering why I can't kind of walk this path and really focus on God in my life. Maybe it's because you don't really know God. And it's because, man, when you don't know someone, it's really hard to love and trust them and do things kind of their way. And so as you think about, hey, I'm going to put off some things. I'm going to put off some relationships. I'm going to put off some habits. I'm going to put off maybe some places. I'm just not going to go there because I know when I go there, I I just want to please everybody and impress everybody, and I'm not myself. But while I'm putting off, I'm going to put on a decision, daily decision to please God. I'm going to put on a, a, a heart and a posture of dependence Knowing that, you know what, I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I need you. And I'm going to put some practices in my life where I am spending time with God. Maybe before work, maybe in the middle of the day. I'm setting aside some intentional times to spend with God. And here's what you'll see happen. Those times with God become resets for you. They become moments where, man... Man, I've been struggling this last hour, but now I've I've taken some time to spend in God's word, and that just kind of helped reset and refresh me to continue to live focused on pleasing only one person. 
Just imagine. Imagine what would happen if we stopped managing our addiction to pleasing people and we went to war and actually had some victory. Actually saw God change us in that way. I do not have to be held captive by the approval of man. And here's the ironic thing. I will actually love people much better if I'm not. I will love people much better if I stop making their approval my greatest pursuit. And Jesus, as he talked in that very well-known message, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you know what? Don't be like the fake people. Don't be like the people that wear masks everywhere they go and they put on a mask for this place and they take that one off and put another mask on for another place because their life is about the approval of man. Jesus said, you know what? I, I actually died so you could live your life for an audience of one. And so when you put on a mask... You're putting on a mask that will destroy you and that shouldn't have power over you. But you're voluntarily putting it on. And it doesn't have to be that way. That's not why he came. He came so we could be free from the approval of man. Next week, we're going to talk about pornography. Another week, we're going to talk about greed. He died so we could be free and for some of us, we've never experienced the freedom that he's made available to us. And here's the great thing. Every day that you're breathing, he's making freedom available to you. But we just have to take it. And we have to delight in him and depend on him. And we have to take some things out of our life that are opposing his freedom. And he invites us into that. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're, you're watching online or you're here this morning. And maybe you're somebody that says, you know what, Chris, at, at this point in my life, I don't have a relationship with God. But, but I can relate, Chris. I, I understand what it's like to want to please man and and. and Really allow that to be a pursuit that's unhealthy. I understand that. And this morning, I, if that's you and you don't have a relationship with God, I just want you to know that this is actually why Jesus came. God sent Jesus to earth to live a sinless life. And at the end of his life, which was only 33 years, he, he went to a cross. He died on a cross. He shed his blood. He took the beating and the pain, not because he had done anything wrong, but he was dying for our sin. And when they took his body off the grave, they put him in, or off the cross, they put him in a grave, and three days after they put him in the grave, he got up out of the grave. And he, by getting up, he showed the world and the enemy that he was king. And because he's king, he offers us freedom. And so if you're here and you don't have a relationship with him, and, and you would say, today, Chris, I, I don't have all, all the answers to all my questions, but man, I, I want to start a relationship with God through Jesus. I know that much. How would I do that? With every head bowed, every eye closed, whether you're online or you're here this morning, you can do that right now, just right where you're at. Just in the quietness of your heart, just tell God what you want. Tell him your desire to have a relationship with him. Maybe you'd say something like this. Just tell God, God, I admit to you that I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I've done things my way. Just tell him. From your heart to his, just tell him. And then just say, God, I believe I believe that Jesus came, he died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. I believe that. And then just invite him. God, I, I want a relationship with you. I want freedom. I want you to transform me, come into my life, save me. 
If you're here this morning and you prayed to start a relationship with God, and we're so excited, and we'd love to know about that, and you can let us know there's a little card right in front of you that just says decision. And if you made a decision to start a relationship with God, would you just take a second, maybe while the, the band sings the final song, and, and fill that out? And then you can take it to the next steps table, uh, or you can drop it off, just put it in the offering basket, and we'll, we'll call you or text you this week, find out if you have any questions. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what, I, I didn't make a decision, but I've got some questions. You could, again, write on that decision card, write down some of your questions, put that card in the offering basket, and we'll, we'll get connected with you. We'd love to talk with you. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc, and there's a card there as well that you can fill out. For those of you, and I know there's many of you that say, Chris, I've, I've already made that decision. Maybe you're online or you're here this morning. You've already made a decision to follow Jesus. Part of walking out that deci decision is, is living in a way where sinful thoughts and behaviors don't enslave us. And, and one of those sinful behaviors we talked about this morning is making man's approval our greatest pursuit. And so if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, and maybe you've struggled with that, maybe in this season you're really struggling with making man's approval your greatest pursuit. Let me ask this question and I'm done. What one step, what, what can you do today to go to war with that temptation? What can you do to not manage it and put up with it, but actually go to war and gain victory? Maybe for you, and maybe God's brought a relationship to your mind, and you're like, you know what? I'm not even myself when I'm with that person. And, and, and for you, you just know you need to put some distance. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a place you go, and you just know it's just not helpful. It's not healthy. It feeds this addiction to want people to see me and prove of me. And maybe for you, your step is I've just got to put off. I've got to put off. But maybe there's also some put on. And you would say, you know what, I, I got to put on some humility. Got to admit that I do struggle with this. I got to be humble about this. I've got to maybe put on some time with God. I, I, I work God in if I have time, but he's never a priority. And for you to really combat this and to go to war with this, for you, you've, you just know I've got to humble myself and make time every day to spend with God. I don't know what it is for you, but what one thing can you do to go to war with an addiction to man's approval? Would you say yes to God this morning? Lord, I thank you that you came to earth, Jesus, that you died on a cross, that you rose from the grave so that we could walk in freedom. And God, I pray that as you speak to us this morning, wherever we're watching this or listening to this, that we would say yes to your freedom. And that we would say no and go to war with the things that keep us from that. In Jesus' name, amen.